was like, oh, pop is just like silly girls dance music and you guys can go have fun and do that. And experiences that involve intimacy are probably always going to be a center focus. Hello everyone and welcome back to my quarter life realization. Today we have with us a very special guest, Michaela Jane or MJ. She's a singer, songwriter and music producer. In this episode, we'll talk about music industry, the process of how a music song or a video is produced, the inspiration and the creative mindset that will go behind writing a song, the actual logistics of the song. And uh, Michaela will also share a few personal stories, different instruments she plays and how her experience has been till date. Uh, so without further ado, let's jump in. Hey, Michaela, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. Perfect. Uh, so for our listeners who don't know you, who don't know your work, uh, can you share something about yourself, uh, who you are, what you do and things like that? Sure. Um, like you said, my name is Michaela Jane. I grew up in Oakland, California and went to a performing arts school out there. And I was mostly in choir for a long time and was doing a lot of like vocal performance, which uh-huh. I've always loved. But I kind of as I was writing more music and was getting more into songwriting, I was trying to find a way to, I don't know, like I wanted to be able to make my own music from start all the way to finish. And so I started getting more interested in music production and studying more um, of the like technology behind that. And that led me to Drexel because they have a um, pretty top tier (laughs) recording industry program. I think it's like third in the nation or something, which is pretty impressive. But that brought me out to Philadelphia and I've been living out here for the last four years. I am going to graduate in like, I think I have like 10 more weeks left. I graduate this year. Um, Yeah, and I've been making a lot of music out here. I've been doing a lot more writing and live performance. And Philly is really amazing in that the music scene is very accessible and very much... um, youth led and youth oriented and you know DIY definitely is like it's a big deal out here DIY is like the heart and the center of a lot of the music industry out here right 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 yeah uh, so thank you so much for sharing that uh, let so let's jump straight in like once I was researching uh, your profile like I read your uh, Instagram bio I'm a school art project with legs. <laughs> um, that is, that's so funny. That's from, <laughs> that's from RuPaul's Drag Race. Oh, the, really? Most, yeah, <laughs> the British one that they just put out this season. Um, and one of the drag queens said that, that was like her introductory statement. I was like, oh, I really, <laughs> I feel oh, like, wow. I feel like a school art project with legs. Right. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's a really interesting. So what I thought actually was, uh, that was like, uh, uh, a thing where uh, you can express because you started music uh, in your childhood uh, i thought it was regarding that so can you share something about that like uh, how yeah. you grew how you grew up doing that or what was your introduction to the field of music yeah i am very lucky in that my dad is a very um, exceptional musician and songwriter and um had been producing his own stuff um, when he was younger. Mm -hmm. Um, And I grew up like, you know, with my dad's CDs around the house and like him writing music with me and trying to teach me guitar and um, just encouraging me generally to sing and express myself musically. And I really took to it. And 
um, I, I really appreciated that my parents were like, yeah, this is something that you can do. Like you can make a living out of being a musician if that's what you want to do. There's like so many different angles and they supported me and putting me through, you know, lessons and doing, you know, community theater and then eventually going to like an art school that was like 45 minutes away from my house. So, you know, from, from, from the very beginning, my parents have been absolutely a big support system. And my dad in particular has been a big inspiration in just like pursuing songwriting and um, kind of like guiding me early on until I was able to start doing it a little more on my own. Um, and that kind of looked like, if we're talking like what I actually was doing at those ages, I feel like when I was younger, I was kind of writing alongside my dad and he would like play some chords for me and I would just kind of like write little journal bits and be like, ooh, okay, like yeah. I like this song about horses or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and um, then as I got older, I started using GarageBand and um, mm -hmm. what I really liked about that application is that they had this like chord, like you could pick your instrument and then right. they would have like all the chords in the scale like lined up in a row uh -huh. for you. And, um, that helped so much with songwriting and with understanding like the idea of a chord progression. I was just able to like clunk out like different patterns of chord progressions and, and start kind of experimenting with melody and layering. And right. um, a lot of those elements in my songwriting that are still like really central to my sound, I think is that like mm -hmm. looped, um, looped chord progressions, looped sound effects and a lot of like looped and layered vocals. Right. Yeah, so so like you were a performer from the very beginning and now you are a music producer as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It uh, helps. I think it really helps to have both an understanding of both nowadays because, you know, when I go into the studio um, as an artist, it really helps to be able to say, well, I kind of like the sound of this preamp or this particular compressor or I kind of want it to have this like very filtered effect or whatever. And it helps with being able to communicate. But also, it's fun to work on other people's music. I find that that's really right. satisfying too. Yeah, uh, that, that's great, actually. Uh, let me just share something on my front as well, like because ah. I used to, like, I can't say I'm a musician, but uh, I used to play a little bit. Uh, so, uh, like, I used to play an instrument called harmonium, which is like a acoustic piano kind of thing. Uh, but it's like uh, exclusively used in Indian classic music. So like modern day, nobody use, uses that instrument. <laughs> but like when I was in school, I, I learned that like I, I, I tried to play it. Like I played for a year or two. Uh, but yeah, so like that was my inclination to the music field, so to speak. And like also the course which I learned was in Indian classical Right, like, it's like a whole different harmonic scale. Right, yeah, yeah. So like, uh, I think uh, it's A flat, A sharp, uh, things like that. Or yeah. like when you are learning the seven spaces are do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do. Like that's the way people learn over here. I learned it in a different way. It's like, sare, gamma, pa, da, nisa. So like that's a whole different way. And that is how I learned it. Yeah, yeah that, that was just something about I just wanted to share really with you. Cool. I, I want to look up what that instrument looks like and I want to listen to some of it. I'm sure that the tonality wouldn't be all that shocking. I'm sure that I'd be like, oh, I recognize that. Like, yeah, yeah, that's that's so amazing. I, I feel like it'd be really fun. I'm really interested in trying to take things that are seemingly like 
out of left field for right. like pop music and trying yeah. to bring them <laughs> been trying to bring them in um lately i've been very inspired by this woman whose name is sylvia massey i believe mm -hmm. i should double check that but um she produced and engineered for tool and for a bunch of other like really important um alternative rock all sorts of crazy stuff all kinds of different bands but she is like very creative in the way that she like engineers and produces and in the ways and the kinds of things that she brings in like she's always recording stuff through weird technology like recording like a synth through a string light like like taking right. string lights instead of using like an xlr cable or whatever and like just experimenting with what that does to the audio and i've been kind of thinking about that as i'm coming um to finishing up my album right now for senior project i've been like just like exploring a lot of like interesting and strange sound right. yeah feeling, feeling inspired by like what kind of like weird percussive elements can i bring in that aren't necessarily like expected yeah like i think like one example that comes to mind when you're telling this story is like uh, i think uh, billy eilish and his brother phineas mm -hmm. he shared a story about how uh, he recorded few tunes uh, to use in the musics in the different albums and one example he, he gave was uh, like when you go to the dentist they use that uh, drilling or whatever <laughs> it's called yeah and, and he recorded that uh, and put it in uh, wow. in one of the songs and it was like completely uh, very uh, off the charts like you can never imagine relating to that uh, but it did that. I, I think he gave some interview on uh, Jimmy Kimmel or something like that. But uh, yeah, yeah, it just reminded me of that story, like taking different sounds from different things and putting it to and adding it uh, and making it as a go. Like it doesn't stand out. But when once you know about it, OK, yeah, that's it. Yeah, there's something that's that's something that I find really um, exciting. And sometimes it can be really overwhelming, but something particularly exciting about just how digital music creation has become and just like right. the sheer amount of tools for manipulation that we have that are like instantaneous and have like no consequence you know if you don't like it you just command z command z command z or whatever right. um I, yeah i think that's incredible like that we can just be taking like you said like dentist drill sounds and turning it into top 40 hits or whatever um yeah that's just incredible sometimes i can find it a little overwhelming like to have so much going on inside the box as you would say like inside right. the digital audio workstation or inside your computer uh -huh. sometimes i feel like that can kind of like stunt me in a songwriting sense like right. i'll spend so much time trying to get this one sound to sound the way that it is in my head when like then i lose the idea or i lose the like momentum or the creativity and so i think there's definitely like two different brains for me in terms of like songwriting brain and production brain like they're, right. they're kind of different animals because when i'm songwriting i i still do the same thing i did when i was a kid is to like loop the same chord progression over and over again or just kind of build from there and see what i get to and um when you're producing there's a little bit of that but i think there also kind of has to be like i don't know i need a little more space from the songwriting aspect right. yeah. otherwise I, I just lose my momentum <laughs> yeah uh yeah, I actually, I had a few questions regarding that. Maybe we'll touch up on yeah, it a little ahead. bit later. Sure. Uh, so, yeah, like I was telling, I used to play and I also have a friend like who does uh, playback music for like TV shows and all that uh, back in Mumbai. Mm -hmm. uh, so like that was also a, a big uh, way. Like I wanted to 
you know have you on the show and speak to on the logistics of how uh, it how it works and things like that sure. so uh, yeah one thing actually i want to ask just i'm breaking the flow here but this <laughs> always i wanted to ask uh, uh, someone from this uh, background actually uh, so how do you select the style or uh, genre of the songs in which you sing like yeah you know, i've listened i've listened to your songs like you, you sing uh, blues and pop like kind of uh, like uh, if i can uh, name a famous like halsey sings a bit similar like you sing a bit similar to her style uh, but like how do you not just you but like uh, how does that uh, come about like like how you pick how, how you do, decide what kind of genre or like or like how did i get to the sound that i that i have now because i feel that i feel like they're kind of the same question right is like my inspiration like what kind of artists and what kinds of ideas i'm like bringing in right also definitely inform like the decision to label myself like alternative pop mhm mm which like i guess i would kind of label myself like an alternative pop artist and right. and that's like now now i would label myself an alternative pop artist whereas like if you asked me like maybe 2 or 3 years ago i probably would still lean more toward like indie indie rock and like uh -huh. i think you can see that in like the progression of my work and okay. um you know the album that i'm about to put out is like very much like pop leaning and very much more like almost electronic you know right yeah so yeah yeah there's definitely like you know constant momentum for me in terms of what genre i feel is um right uh, uh but i also kind of am very loose about genre in general because i feel like we're kind of moving toward a pretty genreless like world like there's definitely some stuff that's like this is pop and that's like very clear and this is right. jazz and really clear but we're seeing a lot of artists that are really like melding all sorts of different genres and styles and um i'm definitely like very turned on by that kind of thing of like oh this uh -huh. is very like jazzy vocal over like a house like beat but somehow it like all comes together and um yeah i think the reason that i struggle with genre is because i have a really wide array of inspirations and mm -hmm. um my friend hank byerly who i work with pretty much almost exclusively as my like producer um he's my partner for this album uh -huh. and um i really appreciate our relationship as um musicians because i can come to him with you know i can be like okay this song is this song and it sounds like this and my inspirations are one of tricks point never who's like this like electronic like alternative right. artist and and angel olson who's making like a lot of like indie pop but very much more in the like rock you know leaning right and and he'll be like okay that's crazy but we're going to like make it work <laughs> um yeah yeah and and full credits to like uh, your producer i think that's amazing and that is a lot of work uh, to be honest like you have to first of all know that uh, how to handle that and plus uh, adding vocals adding uh, songwriting to that so that yeah. is really help and like and and uh, again this is uh, coming from an outsider but uh, not a lot of uh, big artists also can do that like i'm not sure if dr dre can produce a pop album like he is hip hop and uh, he's like combination with eminem or rap and hip hop music is what made them what they are right now yeah so uh, yeah so that uh, kudos to your friend yeah he's amazing <laughs> yeah. 
just one follow up regarding this like uh, do you think ever like uh, because like again uh, this is a little bit here and there like you said indie or pop or uh, things like that but do you think like something like uh, rock heavy metal and pop can you uh, think of scenarios where you you do both or somebody else can transform yeah. into these styles well like which are completely opposite to be honest i i mean in some ways absolutely um and it's funny that you mentioned like metal in particular because my two roommates are actually um they make a lot of black metal music and war right. metal and um you know a lot of genres that i don't really understand the nuanced difference but um they certainly do and <laughs> i definitely i feel like metal was really hard for me to get into because it uh-huh. i agreed for a while i was like oh i think like metal is just like diametrically opposed to the kind of like music that i'm interested in right. and um i really the more that i got into it and the more that i was listening um the less that i really felt like that i feel like there's so many melodic elements and there is something really I don't know, like powerful and sometimes animalistic about it. And right. there's definitely some like great, I mean, just like groove and energy. Like, um, I obviously don't know that much about metal. I can't even like throw any artists out at you. But when you mentioned like metal and pop coming together, I think that we've seen that. I think there's this one particular artist. I'm going to look it up just to make sure that I'm right. But I'm pretty sure her name is sure. Hannah. Uh-huh. And yeah, yeah. I think that she was doing some kind of like metal-y combination stuff and um I don't know I mean like I think with like a lot of this like electronic music I mean like even Grimes latest album Miss Anthropocene or whatever um there's plenty of like very intense guitar samples and like really like growly low bass and things that you could you know consider sonically inspired by some of these more like rock and um, metal and heavier genres and I think that kind of like goes back to what we were talking about earlier is like how genreless things are really becoming and just how easy it is to pull like so many sounds. We have access to this like endless library of sounds and right. you can just slap it in there. Easy peasy. Like, yeah, <laughs> so I think we're, you know, we're seeing a lot of that is a lot of like really genre expansive music and um, hyper pop is like blowing up right now. This genre, um, I think probably the most um mainstream example would be 100 gex if you've like listened to anything that they've done um their producer works with charlie xcx every once in a while Um, but we're we're seeing this like really blown out like distorted it sounds like you just played it at like max volume through like the worst speaker you could find like okay i think that that energy and that kind of idea of like we're gonna make it really lo-fi on purpose is very Mm -hmm. much like a metal um, an idea that comes from the metal community. I mean, like Burzum's right. first album was recorded. He walked into the studio. This Burzum, very complex and very um, bad backstory. Long, long story, very problematic. Okay. But he recorded his first album, I believe through like, those like headsets with like one singular little microphone. Oh. He recorded everything. If I'm correct in my thinking, he recorded everything through that tiny little microphone. Cause he was like, I want it to sound like shit. Like I want it to sound <laughs> so bad. So, <laughs> you know, I think that that energy, you know, that idea that like playing around with, um, you know, lo-fi and, and playing with just like, you know, I think just everyone's experimenting. I, I don't right. know yeah. if you want to 
is going to be gone. <laughs> do you think that that is like a bit of a nostalgia where in like 80s 90s everybody was into rock but now like as generation changes as uh, taste changes as motivation or people you look up to changes the genre is shifting again and so to bring a sense of nostalgia like uh, someone like who is like 18 17 16 years old was listening to uh, rock or metal for the first time and they they find some motivation behind it or they find it really attractive or interesting and they try to put it with songs they like or songs they are listening to do you think the some there is some part of that i'm sure i'm sure that there's plenty of people that are um you know going backwards to go forwards you know what i right. mean yeah, I, yeah. i personally find that a lot of my favorite music is from like the 90s and from um the era of like my mom growing up because mm-hmm. i think that i was just like influenced a lot by what my parents were listening to and right. my like early music taste in particular was a lot of like portishead and fiona apple and um but like 90s um artists that my parents were into benfolds 5 to not necessarily 90s but more like um early 2000s kind of like alt um songwriting so yeah i mean i think that a lot of folks are going backwards to right. find inspiration um i do appreciate though how like pop music has had much more um i think people take it more seriously now actually if right. if you look back to that in particular like the era when like rock and roll was really popular mm-hmm. like 70s to 80s um and even through the 90s there is very much this there's very much this vibe around rock music being a okay. more legitimate form of music and more musically advanced and more complex and dealing with issues that are more important right. and um i think that has a lot to do with sexism because i think a lot of those rock guitar gods were men and it was a lot mm-hmm. of white men who were you know being appraised by all these other white men who were in the industry and right. And there was kind of this understanding of like oh pop is just like silly girls dance music and you guys can go have fun and do that and us men are going to make real rock music about like real stuff. Right. And um that's obviously like a very watered down version of a very nuanced argument but I do think that pop music has become a little more legitimate in terms of like being a genre that can approach important issues that can be um an important part of the um what's what I'm looking for of like pop culture and that right. like pop culture does affect us and does affect um you know important in understandings and ideas in our culture that like all of us are being affected by and um right. you know, I think that that's kind of a shift that I've personally seen is just a little more legitimacy in pop music is like oh like these people can be like really great role models and can make music right. about important things and pop music can yes be like dancey and fun and top 40 but pop music can also be you know people like Sophie who made an a huge impact on our industry and made mm-hmm. incredible music at the same time right yeah i think uh, like this is again my observation but uh... like rock music and metal like those kind of music it was a bit more culty like it was almost like a religion or a cult wherein uh, whoever listens to it whoever likes it uh, no matter what they'll listen to it or they'll defend it or whoever uh, is considered like the best artist whatever they do people will defend it because they love them so much mm-hmm. and pop music 
like initially it was just a, a new thing uh, so nobody was going to adapt it easily but because uh, social media because of uh, things like uh, like you mentioned different artists who can inspire a lot of people who who can move a lot of people so now it is considered more seriously more uh, authentically because now that has also become a kind of like a religion where it, like if you if you go after taylor swift tons of fans of taylor swift will just uh, you know destroy you and things like would, that wherein yeah, rock was like that, that. yeah <laughs> what do they call themselves swifties i wouldn't fight a yeah. swiftie <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah but like uh, things like that so like uh, even uh, for justin bieber also like they're so uh, crazy fan not crazy is not the correct word but like true fans you can say wherein they'll defend uh, whatever uh, the artist does or whatever the message the artist uh, has which was not the case 5 10 years back like now uh, it is possible so that is why they have more influence more authenticity and more uh, adaptability also like everybody would listen to it i think in some ways there's more authenticity i think there's kind of i think that the the concept of celebrity and the the experience of being a fan and of being right. a celebrity has shifted so dramatically with social media there used to be so much more like mystique surrounding an artist yeah. there was yeah. a lot left unsaid there was a lot of like oh we saw so and so with who at this one particular place but that's all we knew there wasn't like constant posting online we couldn't check if they were following so and so we couldn't like make all these leaps and bounds we didn't have whole fan bases that existed online that were like easily accessible and i think there's like i don't know something that upsets me a lot as someone who is an artist and who really genuinely this is like all i want to do in my perfect world i would be a songwriter and a musician and an artist full time i wouldn't have to do anything else and right. and that's it's a possibility right it's something that i could do but something that i have to do in order to participate is to participate on social media and yeah. to participated at a high level of engagement and to and to be posting so much about myself and right. to be creating content on a daily basis and to be engaging with like a group of people yeah. all the time and that's exhausting and I hate it I hate I hate I hate it I really right. have a hard time yeah. with the performativity of social media because it, I it makes me crazy it like right. really messes with my social anxiety and it's just hard to be like i have to create this image and and how sexual do i have to be to get attention and how flamboyant do i have to be and how much original music do i have to put out and how much time and energy do i need to put into creating content that's like good enough for people yeah again I, sorry to cut you off yeah i was just saying like uh, again this is because pop music is adapted so much and it has become more commercialized the business aspect of it has taken a big toll over the creative aspect of it like for i think for any creative artist the ideal situation is create more and more give their best authentic selves and just run with it but the business aspect of it like you have to do this you have to produce a music video you have to do this xyz uh, so many things around that uh, because everybody else is also making money on that mm-hmm. like first it was just a project or a personal project right. on an album but now it has been a big thing wherein like 
so many uh, things are lined up just on behind that album so like you have a launch video you do this you go on uh, first tour then like you you add few songs from your previous album and things like that like right. the, the commercial and business aspect of it because uh, so many people are making money off of it like that is only going like i feel that that is only going to increase yeah or or it will be something like uh, uh, once the artists are famous enough or they don't care about uh, that much money they'll just uh, put it out like uh, a project like this is what i'm working on yeah go ahead yeah like, and i think we're also just like we're inundated with so much information all the time that in order to compete as a recording artist you have to be just like constantly making stuff and and i think we've seen that in particular in the shift of like albums being um albums not really being nearly as important anymore it's right. like all about the single and so yeah. artists will release albums of 12 singles that have really nothing to do with each other which is fine that's totally fine i'm not saying it's here or there nothing is better or worse or it's just um yeah there's a lot less appreciation i feel like for the long game for the like curating a project and like you know being able to be like this is the album and like letting it sit for a while cuz you have to just be like throwing stuff out constantly 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 right. people to like remember who the heck you are yeah 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 absolutely uh and like again this is uh regard similar to what we we're talking about a little bit different like you know i know all the creatives are different like everybody's process is different inspiration is different is really difficult for but like i think for outsider uh not to compare to artists like it is very difficult <laughs> uh, yeah so like uh i wanted to take uh, I, i wanted your take on this like uh, i see especially for uh, female pop artists like it's not a criticism in a way but uh, you know uh, taylor swift or uh, dua lipa very very talented very famous pop music artists mm-hmm. uh, but i think a lot of it is uh, common like what they talk about or uh, the things type of music they produce or what on what they produce music like uh, uh, i think uh, both of them have songs like on of old boyfriends like uh, i think taylor swift is like we are never we are never getting back together like that was <laughs> her uh, this thing uh, then whatever that's pretty similar in concept uh, sorry I was saying new rules is pretty similar. Yeah, yeah, new rules or uh, the another one is said uh, I think she has is uh, I I don't remember the name like you calling me friendly so uh, how much you miss me like that's the song of Dua Lipa mm-hmm. and like it's also like similar to like uh, how uh, the boyfriend left or she left her boyfriend and things like that <laughs> <laughs> or like also there's like for ariana grande i think uh, one the one taught me love one taught me uh, yeah, patience and that one, yeah <laughs> so like w- what is your take on all this like do you think that uh, if because one artist is uh, getting uh, successful hits on this type of music all the other artists are following that kind or uh, is just like that is the way pop music is made like wh- what is your overall take on this here's my take i think it's important to consider the machine of the industry behind these women um uh-huh. and behind every artist really is is you have 
like you were talking about, there's a difference between the creative and then the business aspect, right? right? So you've got a bunch of like heads in suits who are deciding based off of past information and analytics, like, oh, this type of music does well. This song, right. we are never, ever, ever getting back together, did well two years ago. So we're going to keep pushing for that kind of thing. And and I think, you know, that's why we're seeing this like explosion in, be in bedroom pop after Billie Eilish blew up because she right. got really popular in like 2016, 2017 with Ocean Eyes yeah. and just like blew up. And so now we've got all these bedroom poppy kind of artists who have a similar sound, who are doing that really high gain, close vocal with like a ethereal beat in the background. And, and then TikTok obviously has a huge influence over the kind of music that is doing well. And so, you know, now we're starting to see a lot of these like short, like catchy songs right. do really well in these like 15 second loops. And um, so I, I think that it's definitely more so about the kind of music that is being pushed mm -hmm. because there are plenty of artists that I um, really like, like Caroline Polachek is a great example. She put out this album, Pang. Um, she's been making music for years. She was part of Chairlift back in 2012, which um, they were pretty popular. Um, she did some stuff under Ramona Lisa that I really like, but the song of hers that blew up was So Hot You're Hurting My Feelings. And it is exactly the kind of song that you were mentioning earlier, like a topical right. dance pop song about how much she misses her boyfriend. And it's a sick song. It's so good. Like, I totally understand why it blew up. But I also think it's like, there are so many other songs on that album that aren't about anything like that at all. There are songs on that album that are like a discussion with herself about her like, um, anxiety and insecurities and like that song's not going to be a radio hit like when you're listening right. to the radio the kinds of things that they've pigeonholed for the radio are those like topical pop fun songs and it's been like that forever it's always been like that okay okay yeah but uh, do you think that over time that will change or that is just uh, because it is the demand of uh, the market uh, it will just uh, happen time over or like a new generation doesn't don't want to do that they'll they'll uh, put up some different kind of music and like i i had another question which was like i wanted to circle back but like when hip-hop started like uh, when it came to the scene i think 80s 90s i think so I, i'm not really sure but like the whole hip-hop scene was uh they're trying to express dissent or they, they don't want whatever the system is giving that. And it was like a rebellious thing where they danced on the streets, uh, did uh, all that and uh, similarly produced hip hop music. And mm -hmm. rap is also kind of similar where you be your authentic self, you say what you want, you say what you feel and uh, things like that. So do you think that as generation moves and now let's say it is a pop culture generation and maybe five, 10 years down the line, again, it will be something else. Like, do you feel that happening or just go ahead? I have, I have multiple, multiple thoughts here. I think that um, we're already kind of seeing a move away from that kind of experience of like a highly curated, like everybody's listening to the same stuff. Like we will always have top 40, I think, because the radio is not going anywhere. Even though listening has gone down substantially, the radio is not going anywhere. It's a huge right. industry. And and top 40, this idea of like a top 40 song, like I don't think that's going anywhere because the big industry isn't really going anywhere. Right. But what I think is totally shifting is that we're streaming almost everything. And especially yeah. our generation, of like 25 and younger 
um, even 40 and younger, they're streaming everything. So we're, we're having a very um, highly personalized, personally curated experience of music. And if you, well, I mean, it's important for me to remember that I'm like a music geek. So I feel like <laughs> probably more so than like your average person, like, choosing what I want to listen to all the time. Yeah. Uh, whereas some people probably are a little bit of a mix of like, oh, I'm going to use this Spotify algorithmic pod or playlist. And then I'm going to like listen to this album that my friend recommended. But right. I think we're definitely seeing more of like a personal curation. But I mean, the algorithm remains. Like I think that big tech still obviously has a lot of fingers in what we are listening to. And right. you know, this, this um, algorithm and getting playlisted and all these things that like I'm starting to get more and more um, concerned with as I'm releasing more music and trying to right. figure out how can I like monetize this how can I get this to be listened to like I'm starting to be like oh how do I get playlisted like how do I get people to listen to my music if it's right. not word of mouth like what kind of um, publications and places can I go to to get publicity and um it's definitely interesting to be like on a small scale because on the one hand, there's so many, there's so many people, so many college students and just like peers of mine that I could be like, hey, would you write about this? And I totally would. Um, and then there's also like this big gap between like, I also kind of need like an agent, like yeah. <laughs> a bridge between like this, like small scale to like something a little bit larger. Right, yeah, absolutely. I, I think one example that comes to mind was like the, the Louis Fonzie song when Justin Bieber did the version of uh oh I, oh despacito yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Wow. so like when justin bieber did like a remix version of it like after that it blew up and it like uh reached whatever heights like especially in streaming like in youtube and everything like the most viewed video and everything so that is also like very much true and very much authentic wherein even though it is the best thing you have but to have that uh, viral, uh, like viral videos go like the, in a similar way, uh, blew up and plus adding it to the social media, TikTok and reels and things like that. So, yeah, I There's think it is going to be really it's like you can either get like sucked up into the algorithm positively and all of a sudden everybody is listening to you and you're nobody right. or yeah. you get bogged down and, and yeah yeah to, it's just chance like a lot right. of the time i really think it's just chance yeah uh, and like it kind of uh, brings us away from the creative aspect like then uh, all you have to focus is how quickly can this go viral or what kind of music goes viral i'll make that kind of music and it like revolves around that wherein because you want to progress, you want to succeed as an artist, as a creator, you need that uh, audience feedback, you need that listener base and things like that. So they're just figuring that out. Uh, plus adding the tech aspect to it, like Spotify is like uh, almost controlling how people consume music yeah. in a way. Yeah, so like uh, everything, a lot of things you have to worry about just to make a album or just to create basically music for somebody else. That can be really hard as, yeah. as a creator. And I'm sure that many artists feel this way, but kind of this like push pull between making something for yourself that you really like, and then trying to get it commercial ready or however you want to phrase that. And right. um, 
Yeah, sometimes it does feel a little like you're like giving stuff up. Like I think some of the like biggest like disagreements that Hank and I have had as like a production um, songwriting team is like, I sometimes am like, I don't want it to have a chorus. Like, I don't want it to yeah. have this, or I don't care that it's only three seconds long, you know, <laughs> like whatever. Yeah. Hank's like, it just, no, like it just won't sit right if you don't. Right. And, and yeah, I mean, usually he's right. Most yeah. of the time I'd say he's right. Um, but I do sometimes feel a little bit of that pushback or I'm like, ugh, I like, well, I kind of just want it to be a little weird. Like, this is how the song is. And right. I don't know, I mean, like, part of me feels like you should stay true to that because that's your thing. That's your yeah. mark on what you're making. And, you know, at the end of the day, I have a very small um, group of like listenership and that like mm -hmm. means everything to me. I'm right. like so appreciative of this like small group of people that really like my work because I mean, yeah, I think there's like quality over quantity or whatever, right? Like yeah. something that I learned a lot about in this last album cycle, I put out an EP like in February mm -hmm. and I did some physical releases and um, it was the first time I had done that. I had never sold any sort of like physical CD or anything like that. And uh -huh. um, the reception that I got was amazing and like <laughs> made my heart like so full knowing that even if there were just 30 people that were willing to spend $10 on my CD, like that is like everything. And I think right. having a small group of people that are really engaged with your work is um, the future for a lot of indie artists because yeah. it's gonna be really hard to um, participate in this, in the industry as it is with the inundation of artists and with like the huge amount of money and influence and privileges that are going into that. Um, so I don't know, I feel like at this stage in my artistry, <laughs> it's not the question you asked, but I'm just kind of thinking about it, you know. At this yeah. stage in my artistry, I'm definitely looking to just keep growing a small community of like highly engaged people. And a lot of people have made that work. Right, yeah, absolutely. And like, again, because you said this, I, I just remembered like uh, Chance the Rapper, uh, he, I think he never sold like, albums or cds like all the money like all the commercial success he got was from concerts like mm -hmm. he just produced a music put it online and from the concerts or from live shows only like he, he made money i've seen him and, three times <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh really? wow. random i like my um friend in high school was super into him and we saw um i actually my school that i went to was actually like in this historic theater we had uh -huh. like a building outside of the theater so like the actual performance was downstairs and i remember he was sound checking during like one of my classes and like the paintings were shaking on the walls oh, yeah. so loud. <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 but like uh, it's just interesting to think about all the different aspects of streaming versus CDs, versus live shows, and yeah. uh, how to monetize it, how to make it commercially successful. I'm, so really, that you can... I'm very curious about what post-corona music industry is going to look like, because we were relying, so just like a brief history, um, mm -hmm. in like 99, Napster was created, which was that okay. first digital downloading um, torrent, music torrenting site, and it blew up and it just destroyed physical sales. And the music right. industry was like, wow, 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 what are we gonna do? We have no idea what we're gonna do for like 10 years. They literally just yeah. like threw a little hissy fit for 10 years and they were like, wow, 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 what are we gonna do? And they finally figured out like, okay, we gotta get in on streaming. So they get in on streaming, but even, even still, even before this pandemic, 
um, the majority of the revenue that was being gained by musicians in the industry was through live music, was through concerts. Right. And um, like you, when you mentioned Chance the Rapper, that was the first thing that I thought is like, that's actually not like a specific experience. That's like the majority of modern artists before mm -hmm. this pandemic were making almost all of their money from live music because streaming doesn't pay anything. You, right. you get like 0.00019 of a penny every time oh. you stream. So the only people that are making money off of streaming are like Drake and Beyonce because they have millions and millions and millions of streams. And right. even then that's not the, where the majority of their income is coming from. So I don't know what this post pandemic is gonna look like because um, there is no live music right now. That's not yeah. something that we're gonna be able to do probably for another year. Like yeah, yeah. maybe in the summer we'll do some like outdoor concerts in the park. I could see that maybe working, but mm -hmm. For the most part, like we're not going to have packed venues. We're not going to be able to do touring like that. Right. And um, so I, I'm just really curious, like, are we going to fight as a community of artists? Are we going to fight for higher pay for streaming? Are we going to see more and more artists transitioning to this? Like, I can't remember what they're called, but um, Kings of Leon or whatever, just put an album out and you can like only purchase it through this like one particular form of like currency okay. that they've just created. Um, I really should look more into that since it's my industry, but I'm, I'm very curious, like if artists are going to start going a more like physical sale route, are we going to start seeing more like Patreon style support of like, you can have access to my work if you pay $5 a month, like, or are we going to fight for streaming to pay us more and is streaming going to become more expensive? Because yeah. if you think about just the amount of like creative property that you have access to for 9.99 a month like every album that is like available on streaming like you used to have to pay like 20 bucks for an album and yeah. so you know people were actually able to make money off of physical sales and um yeah i mean as an artist myself i'm trying to figure out how to monetize my art and survive and right. it seems like an impossible feat especially when you take out live music industry so i think yeah we're going to see some really interesting innovations over the next couple of years. Yeah. I, I Like one thing I see maybe uh, artists trying to be more independent or away from the industry, like just, I think, uh, especially with contracts, like now everybody wants their own uh, thing, like the ownership, uh, especially now has changed. Like earlier, everybody, every, uh, songs ownership was with the record label or uh, you know music production company now artists are realizing that uh, trying to be more entrepreneur like just getting more ownership of your own work right i totally and, agree yeah and i think my like translating that in future five ten years maybe we can see an independent platform from artists itself like yeah. tomorrow i think Taylor Swift can make their own uh, Spotify, like just Taylor, Taylor file, like whatever example. <laughs> yeah. And all, all her work. Title. Yeah. Kind of like Patreon, like, but just uh, her own thing, wherever uh, she, you can book tickets only from that. You can do like XYZ, everything Taylor Swift will be from that one app. You can yeah. get social media updates only, only on that and things like that. So like, I think that would uh, be a path which I think would happen because uh, tech and Spotify and streaming has become so and so much powerful that uh, you can't uh, do anything, uh, especially with money. You should, 
call me back in 10 years and we can talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> see if our predictions were correct, right? <laughs> yeah. And I think like, especially, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but, uh, Taylor Swift did remove everything from Spotify yes. uh, because she had like issues with uh, how much they are getting paid and things like yeah. that. Yeah. And so, I, yeah. you know, it's kind of an, um, that situation is really interesting because on the one hand, I really respect what she was trying to do. Um, and I absolutely agree with the argument of like artists are not being paid enough and Spotify right. is not doing enough to make sure that we're being properly compensated, but also there's like just kind of this general um, understanding of music as a commodity that we should just have music constantly, right. like we have water and air. And um, I mean, I love music. And so, yeah, I think music should be everywhere all the time, but I don't think that it should be treated as something that is just worthless monetarily as someone yeah. who is a creative person who like wants to make music like, I feel like there is just intrinsic value in the things that I'm making. And I don't want to feel like this is not something that will ever be monetizable, that no one will ever like care enough about my art to like pay me for it. I think there's right. kind of this like general apathy toward like music in particular and like paying for music. Like people just like, don't think that they should have to do that. And yeah. <laughs> I don't know, I hope that that changes, but um it's kind of a hard beast to fight. But what I was going to say, the two sides of my Taylor um, under, of that situation is like, I really respect what she was trying to do. And also it's a little frustrating as like a very small scale artist to watch yeah. this huge scale artist with so much leverage, pull a stunt like that and have it work. And it's like, yay, it worked for you. But like, duh, like you're Taylor Swift. Like if I were to like email Spotify, I mean like, I'm not going to put my senior album on Spotify. Like they would be like, we didn't even get that email. <laughs> anything. Um, and you know, I feel like my, um, yeah, I guess like my beef is just like, where was like the follow through after that? You know, I think she probably, I mean, I don't know her. I have no idea. I could complain all I want, but I feel like it, I would like to see more of like an organized, movement of artists banding together to be like we need to be paid like we right. need to be like our art needs to be respected and like needs to be considered worthwhile yeah absolutely and uh, also like uh, the thing which just came to my mind like if i i produce an album and put it out there if because i don't have any knowledge of music and you do but if spotify recommends my album and I get more views and I get paid more. Like that doesn't make sense because you are the musician, you know more about music, you have produced it authentically. And I think that should also be valued. Like a lot of times, especially with uh, social media and tech companies, uh, the, the hard work and the background doesn't matter, so to speak what it is there right now at face value that is just valued because the it goes viral it goes uh, you know into different platforms and all that so i think that is also which i always keep on struggling because the same is with i think youtube in a sense where a good produced video should always get more views than like just a plain selfie video like i i always uh, struggle with that viewpoint like how does a selfie video goes more viral more accepted more viewed 
and a yes. good produce so yeah sorry go ahead no 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 apologies necessary yeah. i i just we talked about this um i i was just in this course where we talked about this a lot and just kind of this idea of like certain kinds of content having more value than other kinds and um i don't really subscribe to that belief i think that there is value in all kinds of music i mean um oh gosh i should look this up because this is a great example uh -huh. but um the album hi how are you hi how who sings that Give me one second. You can cut this, right? No, no okay, yeah, yeah. So an artist like Daniel Johnston, right? Uh -huh. Who um very like folky songwritery stuff. The majority of his recordings are literally just him and his guitar. And it sounds like it's all recorded all at the same time, like one microphone. And it probably is. Um, but his music is beautiful, like moving, beautiful music. And, um, you know, 303 or whatever, that super cheesy, like, I'm not scared of him because I'm a vegetarian, like that, like silly pop music. I think that that's just yeah. as valuable as like Mariah Carey or as Chopin or like whoever you want to say. Like, I think all music, you know, I don't think there's any sort of music that's like better or more deserving of attention certainly there's music that i think deserves more attention just because i like it more but like right. generally speaking i think that everything i mean it has value if people like it then they're gonna like it and they're gonna watch it and it should exist because a person made it and they should be allowed to make whatever the heck they want um yeah. to, you know <laughs> and um so i feel like it's less about like people who are more like hard-working musicians or are more talented getting more notoriety like it's less about that for me and more about just like a general shift in the way that we're thinking about music right. and the way that we're thinking about the value of art and like i don't know this maybe is a little cheesy but i think something that the pandemic has brought out for me is like just how important art is in my daily life like spending a lot of time in my room um, I've been like actively curating a more artistic space and a space that is more artistically beautiful. I'm, I'm collecting a lot more clothes that my friends have made. I'm making my own clothes. Like I've kind of just realized that I need more of this creative energy and that there is something really just valuable and important for like my well-being as a human, right. like have access to this art. And maybe not everybody feels like that, but I think a lot of us do. And I think that like music has been something that's gotten a lot of us through this like horrible event that we're all living through and movies and television and, you know, these pieces of art that are being made. I, I just want to see a general shift in kind of our like psyche as, as a country right. that art is important and that it deserves funding and it deserves money and it deserves to be upheld and supported. And, and that involves like monetary support. It's not just like, Oh, I love your little songs that you sing. It's right. like, yeah, well, yeah, pay yeah. me, like pay me so I can keep doing it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so I think, uh, let me switch gears a little bit over here. Sure. Uh, let's dive into the writing part of the songs. Like, uh, right. uh you know, this is again, uh, old story but a very famous story of uh, yesterday uh, the song yesterday where uh, Beatles I think Paul McCartney had a dream about this mm. and he like, wrote one of the beautifully one of the most beautifully written songs out there so like how is your process about writing lyrics and uh, things like 
do you write about something that motivates you like how how does your writing process work can you share something on that yeah of course um there's a lot of different angles i find um and i think as i have picked up more instruments and i have picked up more gear and i've kind of created my little messy corner of songwriting um i can show it to you <laughs> it looks crazy right now but i usually will just oh. sit on the floor like right there yeah yeah and just like and just work with um my gear and um so we talked about like my very early stages right in GarageBand kind of like looping out these chord progressions and writing over the top of that so sometimes it would start I would have the musical bass and then I would kind of work with a melody and come up with some words that kind of fit and matched and um you know and I could start that way sometimes I I am just walking down the street and this like one little line will like come into my head. And there's like so many of these like voice memos on my phone. I like yeah. have often said that I would be like mortified if my voice memos like ever got leaked because it's like, <laughs> it's like me out of breath, like da, 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 smell, smell, smell. like <laughs> I have this idea and I'm like walking on the street. And I'm like, oh my God, I gotta get home. Like I gotta go get this down. Um, so sometimes it'll be that. Sometimes I'll have like one little lyric or one little like melodic line. And then I'll like build from there. Um, as I learned guitar, mm -hmm. it was a lot of me just like jamming and playing on my guitar for a while until I was like, oh, I really like this little part and kind of like building from there. Um, right. And I have a loop station now that I'm like super into. That's that um, that piece of gear that I showed you with like the multiple channels. Yeah, yeah. And um, that I've really been loving because it reminds me a lot of like a lot of the acapella um, performing that I used to do in high school. And uh -huh. it reminds me a lot of working in GarageBand of just like getting to loop that same section and experiment with all these different like filters and effects. And um, I can plug my guitar in there and I can plug my synth and I can plug my theremin and I can just like plug all this crazy stuff in there and just build this um, like piece of music that I can kind of like filter in and out through these different channels. and. I've been finding that super inspiring lately. Right. I, I think music songwriting is really funny for me because sometimes you sit down and it all just like comes out of comes, you at once. Right. And you're yeah, like, yeah. you're like, how did I, what? Like, what time is it? I literally just finished this whole song. And and that's happened to me a couple of times. Sometimes I get lucky and I just write this song all the way through and I love it and it's perfect and it tells the story. And it's like, oh my God, I love this song. And sometimes, this has been happening more so recently as I'll write like a little part or uh -huh. I'll I'll write here and there and I'll have a song and then I have to work and I have to work and I have to work and I have to like chip away at it very analytically and I have to do these writing exercises where I like write out 10 words in the theme and then 10 words that rhyme underneath those 10 words and then I have right. this like bank of 100 words and I'm like shuffling shit around and yeah yeah and sometimes I get really weird and I'll like just like journal so one of my favorite ways to write is to just journal like furiously about however i feel and to like highlight certain areas that i feel like are good or to like cut up the journal entry so i just have this like bag full of words and i'll just kind of like toss them around and like throw them out one at a time and just see what kind of like crazy nonsense i come up with i actually like think i have an example of that somewhere i could show you if you wanted but um yeah i feel like i try to approach it from a lot of different angles because I, you know, sometimes you feel more creative than others. I think something mm -hmm. that I feel proud of personally in my songwriting journey is that I don't just write when it's easy anymore. 
Right. I feel like I've curated enough exercises and skills that I can write even when it's hard. And I can say like, I have no idea where the song is going, but I just need to keep like plugging away at it until it turns into something that I like. And and sometimes you have to give up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sometimes you have to walk away from stuff. And you know, that's been okay too. Cause every once in a while I'll go back and I'll listen to some demo from like a year ago. And I'll be like, oh, I think I could do something with that now. Like, I think maybe yeah. I know where to go now that it's been enough time. Right. Yeah, and and do you think like not having a, a fixed routine keeps you more creative in a sense? Like uh, again, this is again my personal example. Uh, I I write poems here and there just sometimes, oh, yeah. uh, and it, it it's like uh, like you said, like I'm doing something, I'm just looking outside, and it just it just comes, and like you have to write it, you can't help it. <laughs> And uh, it makes sense, like it comes very true, very authentically and uh, properly as well. Mm-hmm. But sometimes, like you just stuck at one word, you can't do anything about. It. You can't even rhyme that word, even right. though, like, <laughs> yeah, sometimes it happens like that. But do you think that process keeps you creative, keeps you on that edge because you don't have a routine or don't have a process? Wherein, like, if you had a routine, let's say you wake up at seven a.m., drink coffee, and then. Uh, have a paper, have a pen, and keep on thinking. Maybe then something comes up. Like, do you think that is uh, that doesn't keep the creativity alive? Like, uh, what is here's your my, take? On here's it? my take on staying creative. As um, I think for everybody, I think every artist, every person who likes to create, I think the key to continuing being creative is to have your tools always be out. Um, and that was actually like some of the greatest advice I ever got from a friend of mine. He, um, he commented, he like came over to my house once and he was like, your stuff is always so like neat and like put away. And I'm like, oh yeah. Like by the time I finish writing, I like always wrap everything up and put it right back where it belongs. And sometimes that's like hidden, you know, like it would be like back in its little box or whatever. And he was like, you should really try to curate a space in your house where your gear is always out. So if you have an idea, it's as simple as walking up to it and turning it on. And it's not like, oh, I have to take it out and plug it in and add all the stuff. And that's like the best advice I've ever gotten. And I think that that's like having your tools always be out. And for a writer, I think that does mean waking up in the morning and spending 10 minutes to just write because that just turns on that part of your brain. Um, This, gentleman named I think his name's Pat Pat something he um teaches at Berkeley College of Music he teaches the song uh-huh. courses and you can watch a lot of his stuff online a lot of his sure. courses are free um his books are pretty inexpensive um and I really like his philosophy but the first exercise that he always encourages you to do is to just kind of start writing every day when you wake up in the morning and I don't right. do this by any means I really would like to I really would like to get better at this but I think it does, it makes a huge difference to just have that part of your brain be turned on and to and to start your day or even just a little bit of your afternoon with a little bit of that creativity kind of just flowing. But I really think it is about like your tools being there, being right. out and being really easy to get to. And, you know, if you're a painter, I think that your paints should always be out, yeah, you know, yeah. so that if you're like, oh, this little like beautiful little girl with her pink raincoat. Like I really just, I have to paint that. Like it would be, yeah. but you won't lose your momentum so fast, you know? And I think yeah, yeah. kind of a similar thing with like why I struggle working in the box sometimes working on mm-hmm. my computer when I'm trying to write and be creative in particular. Um, yeah. It's like, I get so overwhelmed by trying to set everything up that I just lose yeah. 
the steam. But if it's all there, you know, if you can make a template in your logic right. for it to be ready right when you are. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so like just going a bit technical because why not? We are nerds. Sure. <laughs> Uh, do you follow like a similar process of uh, creating like verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, chorus? Like, is that the standard template which you have and you follow that or like it, it evolves as you grow as an artist or, uh, you know, something else? Uh, what, like, what do you think? I think that is like just an entry point to whoever wants to write. Like this is a standard format of the song. Mm -hmm. this is this is how it has been working so you can do it this way yeah. uh, or is it like if this is more authentic and this is not like how uh, how do you think about that process like oof i think it depends on the song um uh -huh. and you know obviously every song is going to be a little different i have some uh -huh. songs that are like more um yeah, sometimes, sometimes I songwrite and it's like an A section and a B section that like go together. And obviously I really like like vocal layering and looping. So a lot of times it'll be like the setup and then like the the build of this like massive piece. And I, I think My Spine as a Poet is a good example of that is like you do have verse, chorus, verse, but then it kind of just like dissolves into this like crazy looped piece, right? right? Yeah, yeah. And then you have songs like Dashboard Confessional, which is a little more like standard fare. You've got your verse, chorus, verse, bridge, chorus, chorus, and then you're out. Um, and I really, I think it is like a song by song basis because it's a lot of the times it's about what the song needs. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, the song's a little repetitive. Like right. by the time you get to the second chorus, you really, your ears need a break. So I'll be like, okay, I need a bridge because that's musically different because your ears need a break. And, and as I get better at songwriting and especially working with Hank, he's like such a great resource for this because he is a really great objective ear. He'll be like, well, you don't have a central idea in your lyrics. You need to like figure out what your central idea is and build a chorus around that because that's what's missing in this song. And, um, you know, there's a song that has not been released yet, 6am, which is a good example of that, that I like I wrote this song out on my loop station and you know it goes back and forth between a couple of different parts and Hank was like well there's no chorus like you really you need a chorus to bring this whole thing together and when we wrote it we like I remember by the time we finished it we like hugged each other and we were like oh my god yeah. like, we did it like <laughs> we've completed the song like and I've had yeah. that experience multiple times I think a lot of the times um it's about like what those individual sections bring and like you know I think a chorus generally speaking is where your central thesis of the song is going to be and the goal of the chorus is to take the idea of the song and to put it into this like watered down highly applicable idea so that like right. no matter like who's listening to it they can be like oh that kind of sounds like something i could relate to yeah, yeah and your yeah. verses are kind of like the descriptor of that they kind of build the scene they bring you the story a little more like cut and dry and your bridge sometimes offers like a different perspective or offers like a break from the story or offers the solution to the problem that you've been posing this whole time. Right. Um, so I think each section has its own like merit and depending on your lyrical content, it's going to be super different. And, you know, like I wrote a song that was about that feeling of like being out of a relationship and mm -hmm. getting into a new one and kind of just like feeling that past person, like always 
with you. Like you're thinking about them even when you're with someone new. And, and the chorus was all about like, oh, I'm so sad. I'm haunted by this like emotional experience that I'm having. But then the bridge was like that one little break of like, actually, I think it's gonna be okay. Like I see the light at the end of the tunnel or like I'm starting to like grow out of this or whatever. You know, so it really is just very dependent on like song, what the song needs. Um, right. And and that's like so different all the time. But yeah. it's nice as I've gotten a lot more comfortable in my songwriting and as I've just like written more and more stuff that I've, um, a lot of times it's like fun to break the rules. Like I'll just right. like write these fun little like minute and a half long songs that like don't, there's not really any part that you could consider like the hook. Like it's just kind of like, multiple like moments and ideas and some of my songs just exist there and yeah, that's yeah. like that's just what it is <laughs> yeah and, and just just to follow up on this do you think that uh, this type of format sticks to a genre like do you think that genre plays a part in the format or uh, it is like common for irrespective of the genre um i think that some of the best songs um, sound really good, just vocal and chords. I think that that's like key to like really good songwriting if if that's something that's central to your genre. So right. something like EDM or like house music, it's not really centered around songwriting in the same way that like, like an indie rock song or like a math rock song would be like the what those genres ask of songwriting is very different and so like for an edm or a dance track like you're more worried about like the build-up mm-hmm, and like, the drop yeah, of yeah, the beat right. and and of like adding in certain like percussive and vocal elements that are going to like heighten that and are going to like you know add rhythmic intensity right. whereas when you're writing for more of like a singer songwriter perspective or you're trying to do folk music it's like the voice and and the story is so central that like your lyrics ask a lot more of you. There's a lot, need a lot more from that because the vocal is so much more central to the genre itself. Yeah. Um, What exactly was your question? Like if if we, if I think that like these different parts of the song are like integral to all genres or like. Yeah, like the the format or the template, like uh, do you think that that varies uh, with genres like? Yeah, I think that every genre can certainly benefit from the idea that your song should have a sort of structure and a sort of um, like climax, as it were. I think that Mm -hmm. there there does kind of need to be this like storyline of like build up central idea, build up part two, central idea, different perspective, back to the central idea, like. And that can just go so many different ways. There's so many different songs where like, you're like, is that the hook? But we're back after the bridge. Like what, how are you doing that? But I think it's less about like A plus B plus C plus D. It's a little more about like, can you, can you take me on a journey? Can you explain something? Can you give me, you know, an insight into like this emotional experience or whatever? Right. I think that like every song can benefit from just this like, wanting to approach it from a lot of different angles and wanting to get a lot of detail. Um, But I'm also kind of like a lyrics geek. And I feel like the music that I like the most that like moves me and inspires me the most is the music that really does put a lot of effort into lyricism and into um, vocal and and melodic, you know, just beauty and precision. (laughs) Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, And like, again, this is 
going back to our initial discussion yeah. of uh, pop music like a lot of it nowadays is more more aligned to pop uh, or somewhat mixture of pop uh, like this is what i have observed and maybe it is true in some sense like pop and hip hop like those are the two genres which i feel uh, they have like true uh, business success as well as uh, audience acceptance that like i should say yeah like i'm especially for uh, our generation like this is what i've been observing or maybe i'm attracted to these two types of uh, genres more uh and uh, like even if we have like soul or blues or something like that uh, but it's most most cute to pop uh, like i think louis louis capaldi style of uh, music like it it is pop but it's not like truly pop it's like uh, soul pop and things like that yeah yeah, yeah. uh so like uh, i'm not sure like this i wanted your take on this like do you do you know or uh, do you have in mind any famous uh, jazz musicians or uh, rock metal singers for our time who are you know as famous or as uh, listened to as these pop artists and like i add a follow up on that as well maybe you can just club uh, these two together like uh, why do you think that is like if there are not that many famous different genres artist do you think that because like we talked about earlier or pop music commercialization this that social media xyz uh, do you think that is forcing other genres to enter into pop or people are losing interest into other genres so they are listening to pop yeah i think this definitely does go back to some of the things that we talked about earlier it's just like who is is controlling the particular channel that you're listening to your music through and um you know if you are if you're a casual music listener and you're not like actively engaging with new music and it's not really like hugely important to you to have your finger on the pulse like you're just going to be listening to whatever the tastemakers around you are um up up pushing for right and and a lot of that is going to be pop and top 40 and this like hip hop you know that we're seeing a lot of now and it's funny that you keep saying like hip hop and pop because i honestly feel like we've kind of lost them as like separate genres especially in our top 40 realm like obviously hip hop and pop have like vastly different um creators going on right now but right. in terms of our top 40 like it is very much like Katy Perry and Migos together which yeah. is yeah. <laughs> it's like okay you know that's great good work um right. some of it's okay a lot of it's um not my favorite but um oh, i i guess to answer your question my thinking is that majority of people are not like super active music listeners so there's always right. going to be like a really large populace of us who are just kind of listening peripherally and and so the music that we catch or that catches our ears is the song that we heard three times because it was playing in the mall and the coffee shop and in our car right and um so you know i think that there is definitely um that's going to be part of our like taste making um like 
culture forever, most likely. Right. But I think that there is definitely a push away from that in terms of like, you know, like we said earlier, is like younger people are much more engaged with streaming and are much more engaged with creating their own personal um, library. And that is definitely still influenced by algorithms and by um, what their friends are listening to. But I think that does give us a much more diverse, like not, you know, I think that not as much maybe as we would think, but I think it does diversify what we're listening to. Right, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so next, like, I have a little bit of a philosophical question. Okay. <laughs> this is regarding the motivations behind writing the songs. Right. Uh, like old songs, old days, uh, it was, I think, uh, love genre was very uh, famous, like Elvis Presley and like, he can't help falling in love with you and those kinds of songs. Yeah. Uh, then like we had Frank Sinatra, Strangers in the Night and those jazz musicians like sure. talking about uh you no know, basically love songs like uh, fly me to the moon and all that uh yeah kind I love of... that big band jazzy stuff right. Definitely yeah yeah a, yeah a lot of nostalgia a lot of um yeah heartache and love I, the song that comes to mind for me is <clears throat> do you know what it means to miss new orleans um lots of people have sung that one but i really love the billy holiday version okay yeah yeah so uh so that was like uh, old days then it became uh, more rock, more hip hop, more rap. Mm -hmm. That was like uh, more descent or a comeback or being more authentic or real or rebellious yeah. kind of thing. Sex uh, and drugs. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. That was also another thing. And yes. like nowadays, uh, this is again going back, circling back to our talk, uh, which we had earlier about pop music and female artists. Mm -hmm. Like nowadays it is about heartbreak or uh, how a girl or a guy left me uh, like uh, I think examples would I should give uh, Havana by uh, Camila Cabello, Cabello or uh, even Driver's License by Olivia which like got viral and everything yeah that one blew the heck up yeah it? yeah yeah uh, or even like a few years back Miley Cyrus with Wrecking Ball like mm. all those like are mostly uh either heartbreak or how some girl or guy left them. Uh, so like, do you have an opinion why this is and if this will change anytime soon? Like, again, I've cherry picked a few songs here and there, sure. but uh, like, what, what are your thoughts on this? Um, I really love this question. I really do. I, as someone who writes a lot of heartbreak and like love, <laughs> songs um yeah. i think that love and sex and deep emotional experiences that involve intimacy are probably always going to be a center focus of the art that we create because i think that it's i think that it is some of the most like poignant moments in our human experience is those moments that we are really vulnerable with one another and and that oftentimes involves romantic love but it also involves lots of different angles of love. I think right. that there's there's so many there's so many different versions of that. I mean, people write about how much they love their children. People write about their parents, they write about their families. I've written plenty of songs that maybe topically sound like love songs for one particular person, but they're actually songs about how much I appreciate my friends and like hey. and and so I think that 
there's a lot of angles to this question because part of it is the words that we have in our language. We're limited. We're, we're going to come at writing with a particular set of words that we know. And I find that super true. I feel like I use the word feeling and reeling and, and kiss and mouth and like words in particular that like come up in my work all the time in this particular right. era. So I think that's one facet of it is like the language that we just happen to have. Right. And the other part is what we were talking about earlier is um, what people are looking for in pop music and what they think pop music should be about. And so that's what they're going to push as an industry from a business perspective. That's what people are going to write because they think that is the only thing they can do or because it's the result of listening to a lot of music like this, that your music eventually is going to bring in those elements. Um, right. And the third part is I just think that like, love is hugely important to us as people across experience, across genre, across country, across religious experiences, across all of these things. Like all of us have some experience or another with love and whether that be lack thereof or, or unrequited or whatever. Right. I think it's yeah. just like, I just think it's so important. And, and sometimes I feel a little frustrated with this I get this feeling that people think that like love songs are like flippant and like not as important or, or not as valuable as a song that's written about world peace or whatever. And and sometimes, yeah, you know, I, you know, agree. There can be some love songs where it's like, oh my God, did you really just say that? Like you couldn't have thought a little harder about your lyrics. Like that is so lame. Like, <laughs> believe me, I listen to Top 40 and I roll my eyes sometimes. I'm like, who is writing these lyrics? Because there is just no depth here. But yeah. like, I don't know. I mean, I love is important. I'm like, I love love. I'm a huge nerd about it. I think it's amazing. And I like, and I write a lot about it. I write a lot about it when I'm in it. I write even more about it when I'm not in it. And, and right. I, yeah, I, and, and I think it is also uh, kind of because we are human in, in, in a true form. Uh, so always the factor of uh, things like living together, love, companionship, uh, and all those emotions like anger, love, and uh, X, Y, like all that, uh, that is how we feel, that is how we live our life. So that is why it is reflected on the songs. Like, uh, uh, funny you mentioned that, like, uh, I remember like Someone You Love by Luis Capaldi, like it, it seems like it is a uh, heartbreak song, like someone who left their girlfriend or boyfriend, but like I actually like I, I read this and I saw it in an interview it is about his grandma mm -hmm. his grandmother yeah so like it also uh, interpretation mm -hmm. our interpretation of the actual songs is also so skewed uh, kind of yeah yeah and I think that's a lot of um personally what I really find really powerful about songwriting and what I love I love like engaging with people who have listened to my music and asking them like what do you think this is about like what does this song make you think of because you know, like I've had conversations with my friends where like, I know what the song's about because I wrote it. It's my story. Yeah. I know the angle that I was coming from, but and then like a girlfriend of mine's listening to it and she's like, oh, like this song always like makes me think of like this particular scene. And like, this is what these lyrics make me think of. And I'm like, oh, that is a great interpretation. That is so right. different from what I was going for. And I think that that is a marker of a really well-written song is that yeah. a lot of people from a lot of different experiences can listen to it and be like, oh, that makes me think of this. And I've lived an experience like that. And that's why I like the song. I'm connecting with it because it, you know, really means something to me. And 
the guy who produces for Lord, his name is Jack Antonoff. Mm -hmm. um, he also produces for Taylor Swift and he produced Pink's latest album. I mean, this guy's like big, big dog kind of guy, right. but he was doing a great interview interview where he was talking about his songwriting process. And um, yeah, that was something that he said that really stuck with me is like your chorus should be like the goal of your chorus is to be able to take this very specific experience of yours and make it general enough that everybody can listen to it and can say like, oh, that sounds like something that I've been through. And that's right. really, really hard to do. But if you can do it, I mean, you, that's like, yeah. Great and, <laughs> and that's a uh, that's a, a essence of music as well like you get to interpret it in the way you express it or you feel it and things like that right. and uh, yeah that is like that is one of the you know big part of why there is so much love for music like how music can move people yeah. regardless of the originality or uh, purpose or just interpretation and how personal it can get uh, that that helps a lot and i think uh, again this is another example that came to me i don't know why but i keep bringing up taylor swift yeah sure uh, but the christmas song I, I like i don't remember her actual song but uh, her, uh, she put up an album and one of the songs was for, uh, about uh, christmas or like how she'll keep the christmas lights on and think, like, i don't remember the whole thing mm -hmm. Uh, but the like uh, to me the the interpretation of that song was uh, I can do whatever I wanted in my home or uh, I can be my myself and uh, nobody from the society can tell me what to do or judge me of what I do and things like that. So just uh, having a certain kinds of lyrics but interpreting it in our own way, relating it with our own life is so important and that what gives purpose to music as well so yeah yeah it's a unifying unifying language i mean it's very cheesy yeah I, I do think that it's really true that like music is something that can speak to us regardless of even if we understand the lyrics like there's plenty of music that i listen to that i don't speak the language that they're right. singing in but it's like that's not important because it like makes me feel or makes me move or it you know it does something for me and yeah I, yeah absolutely part of that that is ineffable that is not something you can really describe verbally and i i think that's where music comes in handy is it kind of can bridge that gap between like internal emotional experience and and being able to express it because it's hard to express your emotions just right. like yeah. in general but i think art is a great vehicle for just releasing and letting things out and and for me in particular i've always kind of written from a standpoint of like kind of trying to understand my own feelings a lot of my work is like almost like embarrassingly personal sometimes i like right. struggle to put things out because i'm like oh my god this song is like so clearly about this very specific situation in person and they're gonna know and it's just like so like obvious yeah yeah <laughs> like sick to my stomach and that's kind of part of why i titled my last project exhibitionist because a lot of it did feel kind of like this emotional exhibitionism of like here's this experience it's like so deeply personally mine and so deeply personal to these other people that are close with me and i'm just gonna like put it all out there and and right. <laughs> it, it's like uh but i think it's also it's really good for me from almost from like a therapeutic perspective of like i make things to understand how i feel about them more like right. there are there are situations where i don't really know how i feel and i don't really know how i'm gonna deal with it until i've like written about it extensively and 
And that can be really empowering, right. in particular when I'm going through situations that are really emotionally difficult or are painful. And to be able to take an experience that is painful and, and hard to deal with, and then to feel like I made something that's like actually like physically exists. I made it and you can listen to it. And I, you know, I turned something that was very internal and difficult into something that like can be shared and that I, you know, it feels like a productive use of my pain and right. <laughs> and of my joy and of my life. And yeah. I think that that's, I'm sure a lot of artists do feel like that is that kind of like, I don't know, it feels really good to kind of externalize these things that are so in right in here. Right. You know? And I, I think it also helps us move forward with our life, with our journey, like because uh, we are able to not only just think, but con contextualize it, uh, put it together. So yeah. it helps us uh, move. And yeah, I think especially uh, some songs that come from like uh, sorrow or when you're very sad, like uh, it helps us, uh, you know, go ahead in life, move forward, right. be, be more uh, creative or be more just ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that really helps. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, one last question I had actually, and uh, we'll have a rapid fire round. Great. Uh, do you think the uh, language of how the songs are written, like, like you mentioned, uh, we already discussed like uh, how topics we can understand uh, it is about love and this and that. Uh, and we specified the genre as well. Okay, it is somewhat pop, but it can uh, move around here and there. But the actual lyrics or the language of the lyrics, do you think that that will change or like, because when I compare, not compare, but like when I listen to songs about a particular topic, from two different timelines, mm -hmm. the kind of words used before and now, like, I feel like it is totally different, even though the words are the same, but the sentencing, the forming of sentences, forming of words and putting all together, putting things all together are quite different. Mm -hmm. uh, so where do you think that comes from? Or uh, do you think the type of, language we speak right now because it is different because like you know social media xyz we keep on texting and uh, our process of english language is only different like mm -hmm. uh, short form be right back and talk to you later and things like that right. uh, so like do you think that vernacular or uh, we don't speak that kind of english now anymore so it is not reflective in the songs yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think, I think, yeah, the language that we have is hugely influenced by social media. And I mean, we're seeing songs that are titled like LOL or like whatever, which is like silly or topical, but it's really true. And, and when you're talking about this, the thing that it brings to mind for me is um, in like the 50s and 60s, there were a lot of those like very bright uh, doo-wop pop songs. And that was like the thing that was really popular. And they did a study on this and and it's just an interesting correlation between like as a society the threat of like nuclear death was so high so everyone was existing on a very like strung out death was like constantly looming they were doing like um 
nuclear drills, like in schools, like the, the alarm would come on and you'd go under the table and you'd be like, well, like nuclear blast, you know? So this is something that was like on the psyche of the American people and the music that they were listening to totally other end of the spectrum is all this like, I only have eyes for you, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and great, great songs, but I think it is really reflective of like what we as a people are like looking for. And you talk about hip hop and how it kind of came from this place of, of rebellion and of um, what's the word I'm looking for of like protest and also of just like creating like beautiful work that you could like dance to in the street. And, you know, I think that music can inform us as to like what we want as a society and what we're like looking for. Cause music is really, it can be a point of refuge for a lot of us. And yeah, um, yeah. I think kind of the fact that our music has moved in this, like continued to stay in this kind of like topical direction. I think it's pretty indicative of how overwhelmed we are by our political experiences and how much fear we're experiencing on a daily basis and how much just like, and like death and and scary deeply affecting like life events that all of us are living through like i think it's kind of I, I think it's pretty clear that we're like looking to pop music to kind of alleviate a lot of that because it's all like dance dance party party love right. love love and that, those are the good things those are the things that we're like yes i want to just put my headphones on and i want to just like walk down the street and pretend like there's not a pandemic going on like yeah <laughs> we like are looking for that and so that's like the one hand, but I also think like very literally um, our language is going to change over time mm -hmm. because that's how language works. That's how hey. culture works. We incorporate new things and new ideas and new art and new ways of communicating and new literal new words that like didn't exist before. And um, so, yeah, we're definitely going to see lyrics that reflect that. I mean, like text language, you know, that's like a topical example, but I think it fits here is like 40 years ago that just straight up did not exist because right. there was no need to like text, they just didn't need to exist. And now like BRB and LOL and LMAO or whatever are part of our musical, it's part of our language. It's part of literally like the words that we know. And yeah, I mean, I think that's gonna be a huge change. And I think right. we're, we're even hearing that like sonically, like as we become more technologically advanced, we are having a lot more of this like very electronic pop. Like hyper pop is like the new thing and it is so electronic. There is virtually never any like acoustic instruments except maybe the human voice. And even if, if the human voice is included, it's run through some crazy processing that makes it sound super metallic and industrial. And, and you know, I think that that sound is the result of the fact that we are so inundated with technology and that a lot of the next generation of musicians might not be physical musicians. And yeah. that doesn't mean that they're not musicians. I personally, you know, I definitely had like a chip on my shoulder about like people who didn't know how to play anything. I was like, well, that just like, how can you really be like a good songwriter if you don't have any sort of like musical expertise? And I honestly think that's pretty elitist. Like, as I look back on that opinion, I think that that's kind of like, it's like pointless because the next generation of music makers, a lot of them are going to be strictly in the box creators. And yeah, that's like, yeah. That is just as valuable because they're making art that's incredible and that really hits like <laughs> there's some yeah. songs that like really hit and i'm like okay like who cares that you don't know how to play guitar that literally means nothing like i think we just have to like welcome new art with open arms you know right. and not try to be so elitist because you know i think you know, similar thing of like rock 
versus pop, you know, it was like, oh, I'm a rocker. And so I can like do all this crazy stuff. And oh, you're only going to do like a four chord song. Like that's real cute. And, and I don't want to, I don't want to be the other side of that of being like, oh, I'm a pop star musician and I can play all this stuff and you just go beep boop beep in the box like that's not valuable and that's right. not you like I don't you know I think it's yeah we should just be open open armed for all this stuff yeah 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 and and just uh, go uh, I think bringing back the language part of the conversation uh, I just uh, thought of it like it is so ironic like during old days uh, where everything was limited like you had to send a letter and that time we used the whole language and completely uh, complete proper english right. but now when you have unlimited space you you try type lol and ttyl and things like that like just uh, thought of it like when you had limited space you you expressing it completely but when you have unlimited space you are constricting uh, we are constricting ourselves uh, more about time i feel right. like yeah that is also true like very like bam 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 and it's especially in the states i don't know if like yeah yeah as someone who like oh it's like crazy just ev the way that that permeates our entire existence like fast food and the way that our like weight service works did you grow up in philadelphia uh no no like i am born and brought up from mumbai like yeah. from india uh i i came here i think uh, two three years back two okay. maybe two yeah Right. But I, but like I'm very much uh, I've been watching and learning right. uh, you know US from uh, everything basically US culture is very much uh, right. of uh, how I like how I grew up right. like the I the first uh, artist which I listened to like from US I think was uh, uh, I don't know. Linkin Park, nice, yeah. <laughs> or Eminem, Fifty yeah. Cent, mm -hmm. Akon, like those were the artists which I used to listen to. Totally. Uh, yeah, do you feel like that in the states? Do you feel like there's kind of this like fast-paced like rush? Because I mean, I certainly do. Uh, to me, like uh, there are few, a lot of things that are still foreign to me. Like even in states, even though I am here for so many years. So like there's some part of me which is like I'm still uh, I'm this way so I live like this no matter what happens uh, and kind of like uh, because culturally I'm quite different from how people over here are yeah. so my food is different what I eat is different uh, how I live is different like so that uh, like stops me a little bit on my like it breaks me from the heavy paced uh, life cycle which is away but I totally understand what you're trying to say and yeah and plus adding the factor of social media to that like it is just 10x the whole thing and yeah yeah, yeah it's yeah. a little overwhelming i yeah. will just leave it at that <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely uh so those were the questions let's start with rapid fire okay perfect uh someone you're currently listening to um pj harvey which is so annoying because that's like the only person i've been listening to for like six months but i'm like obsessed <laughs> uh, okay uh artists you look up to for motivation um um i would uh, uh 
it's like there's like multiple layers to that. I feel like Nina Simone is someone I look up to. Yeah. In terms of someone who like, like just got it right. Like she knew that like music and activism and, and just like, just how important like art and community and just like living your life with intention, like how important that is. And um, also her voice is just like unbelievable. But yeah. I think on like a more topical, like what I want my career to look like, I look uh -huh. up to Caroline Polachek. I really okay. enjoy that she kind of like started from this like smaller scale and like, I really like the stuff she released um, underneath Ramona Lisa. It was like a little more smaller scale. And then to see her like doing really well in like her mid thirties on like a top 40 scale, like that's very inspiring to me. I can kind of see that like long game. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, Nina Simone, like I don't listen to a lot of her song, but I know one which like the famous one, like first I was afraid. Uh, I don't know that. That's her song, right? I don't think so. I think you're thinking of, um, I think her name's oh god i will survive right Isn't that yeah like, yeah yeah that's not nina simone that's like glory oh no sorry. that's okay i want to look it up now though I, yeah uh nina yeah, gloria, gloria gaynor that's her name oh okay okay but uh, she, um ugh. i i'm not sure like i've heard of nina simone and you know, you know feeling good right oh yeah 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 that's probably the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put a spell That's on it. you. Don't let me be misunderstood is probably my favorite one though. That's okay, like, yeah. Great. Uh, next question. Uh, okay. Going going to a concert or singing with friends by a fire pit? Mm. Ooh, I guess lately it's been singing with my friends by the fire pit. But if I could go to a concert, you best believe I would be there. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Uh, Electric or acoustic guitar? Ooh, electric. Okay. Uh, last, this is the last one, not the least, but uh, anything other than music that keeps you creative? Oh, I love to crochet. I love to crochet. I just started. Um, I've been making these little like sweater vests and I've been making like scrunchies too. I have some in my hair. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I've been, um, I've been crocheting a lot. There's a lot of yarn in my house. Um, the girls and I, I have um, five roommates, so it's a oh, okay. big place, but we, um, We'll just sit by the TV and crochet together. Okay. We're like old ladies. Like the cat will come sit with us and we'll just sit there and we'll do our little crochet. Right. <laughs> Watch the Bachelor or whatever we're watching that week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for coming for the show. I that's it. Like I don't have any more questions. That's uh, amazing. I really enjoyed our conversation. I appreciate you um, reaching out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and uh, just for all those who are listening, uh, you can check out uh, Michaela's work uh, on Spotify. I'll share the link in the description. Yeah, uh, I'm on Apple Music and YouTube and right. I think even on like Amazon Music, most of it, you'll, mm -hmm. you'll find it. And if yeah. you want to buy it, it's still on Bandcamp. <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely. I'll encourage everybody to go have a look and uh, where can they follow you on Instagram? Can you just share your Instagram handle? Yeah, my Instagram handle is at Michaela Jane, M-I-K-A-E-L-A-J-A-A-N-E, Michaela Jane. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I'll put that in the description as well. Uh, thank Great. you, everybody, for listening. And uh, thank you for doing this. Like Yes. <laughs>